Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When is the last time you heard a sermon like John the Bee would preach? Repent, people, pastors, pulpit, church, repent. When's the last time you heard a message like that? Not very often. Probably can't remember. We need to be careful and mindful to understand and to know that a part of the gospel message is this thing called repentance. Repentance, different than Penance. Penance. Now, you guys know I have a background of, um, I went to parochial school. And that's an old word. Some of y'all are like, what? What are you talking about? Parochial school. If you know what I'm talking about, you know I'm talking about Catholic school. And we used to call it parochial school. Wear the uniforms and the whole nine yards. The uniforms are kind of cool. But, you know, the whole nine, the uniforms are cool. It saved my mom a lot of money because didn't have to have all these clothes every day. Okay, fine. Um, And so we went to parochial school. On Wednesday, I'll never forget, they would align us all up, take us out of the classroom, I don't know, about 9 or 10-ish in the morning. And and some of you guys, if you went to parochial school, Catholic school, you remember this, take you out of the class and take you to Mass. And before Mass, they would have a time of confession. Confession is when you would go before a priest and you would ask for forgiveness of sins. You'd walk in and maybe to the right or to the left, you'd see a booth or actually it would be three booths kind of joined together. And in the center of this booth was, you know, the father, the priest. And on either side were people who come to repent and to ask for forgiveness of their sins. And so you would go there and they would open the door and it was this dark booth traumatized me for life. And this is traumatic for a kid. And you, they opened the door and it was like, you know, creepy, man. It was like, you know, and come on in, you know, and you go in and you, you get on your knees and you're just waiting in the dark and waiting for the father to come. And there's a screen that separates you and the, and the father. And then all of a sudden, boom, the door slide with begging. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. How long has it been since you last confessed, my son? Well, Father, I confess every day because I'm really bad. And all right, what have you done, my child? Well, Father, do you have time? Yeah. Well, yes, my child. And you know, I tell him all the things I done. I lied. I cheated. I cheated on a test. I did all of these things. And he'd say, "Well, this is what you do for penance. You would go out and go to the altar and say three Our Fathers and four Hail Marys and 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 light candles." 
and, and, and penance for your sins. Now, for me, uh, you know, it was, say, three Our Fathers, 60 Hail Marys, and like 400 candles. I was always the last one there. And I'm, oh, forgive me, 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 forgive me. And I was supposed to be sorry for my sins, but apparently I really wasn't sorry for my sins because I would go back and do it again. So that was penance. John is not preaching a message of penance, and the Bible doesn't preach a message of penance in and of itself, but of repentance. That is different. What is repentance? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Repentance simply means to change your mind, turn around, and go the other way. In other words, you're heading away from God. Now turn around and go the other way. It could mean to do a 180, not a 360. Amen. Because you just turn around and keep going the same way you've been going. That's a problem. But what you want to do is you're going away from God. Now you want to turn around 180, go the other way, and begin to go and serve God. The word repentance literally means to have a change of mind, which will bring you to a change of heart, which will bring you to a change of action. You see, if you truly repent, you're going to have a change of heart and you're going to have a change of conduct. Oh, how often do we hear in the church of people who tell us that they have repented and they have given their lives to Christ and you still see the same conduct in their lives. And you say, well, now I have to question whether you actually repented or not. Hey, don't judge me, bro. Don't judge me, man. Who are you to judge me? I'm not judging you. I'm simply just looking at your life and looking at the fruit of your life. And and, and, and I believe the Bible teaches, I'm pretty sure, I know that, that when you truly repent, we're talking about the living God coming to live with inside of us. And now Paul says, you are the temple of the living God. So God lives within you, and now he's dwelling within you. And, and, and that should cause us to truly repent, to truly live a life that is pleasing to God and a life that is seeking to be a apart from sin. And if I see a life that, that, that they, they haven't had a change of mind and they haven't had a change of heart and their conduct is, is the same, then I'm just left to conclude that you truly haven't repented. Now, I know this is not a popular message. You probably wish you hadn't come to church today, don't you? But I can tell you, look, if you truly repent, then it's going to change your conduct. If you really are a born-again Christian, then no, you can't live together. No, Rodney, don't go there, man. Yeah. If you truly are repentant, you can't continue to habitually practice sin. Because the Holy Spirit's going to say, no, that doesn't please God, and you're going to be convicted, and you're going to change your direction. You're going to change your mind about sin. You're going to acknowledge that you're a sinner, and if you don't repent, you can't be saved. You change your mind about idols. You turn from idols to serve the living God. You change from, from a life of sin to a life of holiness. It's a move away from self and a move toward God. When you change your mind, you change your heart, you change your action. That is true repentance. That's true repentance. It's like, yeah, change your mind about that thing first. And what will happen is when you change your mind, your heart will automatically change. It's interesting. You change your mind, your heart just goes, ah, that's, that, that is wrong. That doesn't please God. I, I can't do that anymore. And your heart just changes. 
and then your lifestyle and your conduct will change. Repentance, one of the greatest messages, I think, needs to be preached in the church today. John the Beast shows up and he says, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Number two, John the Bee cried as a voice in the wilderness. I got to move on. We could talk about that all day. But, but, but John the Bee, he cried as a voice in the wilderness. You see that in verse three? Notice Matthew quotes Isaiah 40, verse three. There in verse three of our text. And he's identifying John the Baptist as the prophesied forerunner of the Messiah. And as the forerunner of the Messiah, it was John's job to prepare hearts by bringing awareness to sin so people could receive salvation. So John says, he's a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight his paths. In other words, that literally means to prepare your heart. It actually means to build a road in your heart. Interesting. Build a road in your heart and prepare your heart to receive the Lord. Well, number three, John the Bee committed himself to a humble life. Did you notice that in your Bibles in verse four? Did you notice what John was wearing? He's wearing camel hair, filthy, stinky camel hair. Now, having been to Israel... I don't know if you've had the unfortunate opportunity to smell a camel, but camels stink. I mean, there just ain't no two ways to say it. The camels stink. I mean, they're, they're awful. And think, I mean, they, John's wearing camel hair, and he's got this big leather belt around his waist. It's like fashion police, hello, where are you? He's got on camel hair. And camels, camels stink. And not only do they stink, but they're kind of disgusting. Have you ever been like in the presence that were been spit on by a camel? Neither have I, but I've seen them. And, 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 and it's awful. It's not like, you know, we think of spit on, you know, like camel, like spit. It's like a little bit of spit, you know, like, you know, a little bit of spit. But camels, no, it's more like they barf on you. I mean, it's, I'm sorry, it's disgusting. I know, but I'm just trying to help you. And, and, and so... I mean, it's terrible. Camels are terrible. And John's standing there wearing camel hair, his camel hair suit and a leather belt, and he's eating locusts. This is what his diet is. Now, I did some research, got to tell you. I did some research and discovered that locusts are high in protein. So if you're one of those protein nuts and you're like into this protein deal, you know, eat some locusts. It's a ton. You know, and I was thinking, this is a great idea. Look, this is a great idea. Look, if you got the money, I got the idea, okay? We could sell this to Smoothie King, okay? We could. Locust lattes. I mean, think protein, locust lattes. I mean, we could sell this. It could be big, man. We could make a lot of money. And so John is eating these locusts. He's standing there in camel hair. He's got this big leather belt. These religious guys show up, and he's, he's standing there, you know, probably grasshopper legs hanging out of his mouth. These guys come from all over, and he's standing there. Repent, you brood of vipers. And they're probably like, you're a real Jesus freak, John. You are a real Jesus freak. 
I mean, this is the scene here. This is, this is John. And, and I love this about John because John is a, what his clothing and his diet tells us is that John was not like the preachers of today. John was a humble man. Wearing this, he's not wearing an Armani suit here. I think you got that, okay? You got that picture already. He's not wearing an Armani suit. He's not like jetting around in his jet. Man, I was talking to some people last week and they were telling me it used to be a time where people got together, and I came from a church like this where people got together and they got, put their money together and bought the pastor a car. And this was to help the pastor get around or whatever. Nowadays, I've discovered that people are now thinking and getting together to buy the pastor a jet. It's, what is going on? What, you can't ride coach on American Airlines like everyone else? You got to have your own jet and your Armani suit and eat at the best places and sleep at the best thing. You know, eat the best food. John is eating wild honey. That's what he's eating. Finds a honeybee, cracks that baby, pulls in, eat honey. Grasshoppers and honey, man. I mean, okay, fine. But it tells us he's just a humble guy. Just humble. We don't have time to read it, but it's in John chapter 3, verse 25 and through 30. And it just simply says here, John says, hey, hey, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm just heralding the fact that the bridegroom is coming. I'm just a friend. And then he goes on to say, but he must increase and I must decrease. Here's, here's, here's theology 101, preacher stuff 101. Ministry, Christian, stay low, stay humble. If God starts to use you, that's great. It's good to be used of God. It's wonderful to be used of God. And people will come up and go, oh, you're so wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. I give the praise, the glory, and the honor to God. Whatever I am and whatever I'm not, to God be the glory. Apart from him, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. God chose to use me. I didn't have anything to offer to God. I didn't go to Bible college, and I didn't, you know, I'd come from the streets of Philly. My mom was a single parent working all the time, and I was trying to get through life with the best way I could. I just said, Lord, here's my life. Take my life. Do whatever you want to do with my life, because I'm, I'm messing up my life. And God used my life, and God will use your life. And the best thing I can do for myself, and the best thing you can do for yourself, is you tell people to God be the glory, great things he has done. And you know what happened? God will use you more and more. Every time you, God will just keep using you and keep using you and keep using you. But as soon as you start going, well, I did this, and, uh, you know, oh, Pastor Ryan, that was a great sermon. Really? What part of it did you really like? (laughs) Tell me more. John was just a humble preacher. Repent, not a popular message, but repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Number four, got to move on. John the B called for a public confession in verses five through six. Notice Jerusalem, Judea, all the region around the Jordan went out to meet him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. You see, true repentance means you completely come clean with God about all your sins, not just the big five. Or the nasty nine or the dirty dozen. Amen. Amen. But all of your sins, you come clean. All the people were baptized in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Number five, he was not afraid to confront the religious leaders in verses 7 through 10. And that's a tough thing to do, as I said, to confront religious people. When John saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to him, he said, Praise the Lord, you wonderful Jesus-loving clergy. That's not what he said. He said, you den of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now understand this here. This was like a huge insult to him, to them. Huge. To call someone a den of vipers or a snake. You see, the ancients believed that some kind of vipers ate their way out of their own mother's bellies. So this is an insult. The only thing worse than a viper, they taught, they thought, was the offspring of vipers. Killing one's parent was the most gruesome of all crimes, the lowest of low. So John obviously hadn't taken a course in how to win friends and influence people. And he wasn't into seeker-friendly evangelism. Oh, man. John says, look, repent, you vipers. What, what, you brood of vipers? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, I don't really hear this as a word of condemnation to them so much as a word of wonderment. John is saying, you know, I'm amazed. Who brought you guys here? Do you know your sins are wrong and are willing to change? See, the people were coming to confess and to, to be baptized. So John is saying to them, who brought you here? Are you willing to confess? Are you willing to acknowledge that you are wrong? Are you really willing to repent? John says, listen, bring forth fruits that are of repentance. Don't have confidence in the fact that you are from the line of Abraham. You see, people, Jewish people, thought because they were of Abraham's seed that they were automatically going to heaven. And John says, don't put confidence in that. Why are you out here? Number six, not only was he not afraid to confront the religious leaders, but number six, John contrasted his ministry with the coming Messiah in terms of his power. He that comes after me in verses 11 through 15, he that comes after me is mightier than I. In terms of his purpose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in terms of his purging, he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, any true preacher of the gospel will always be careful not to compare themselves with the Lord. Don't do that. Very dangerous. Number six, number seven, pardon me, John the B talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, notice that. I want to point this out. John says, as for me, I baptize you with the water of repentance, but he that is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. You see, Jesus' baptism and John's baptism were different. There's a contrast. John's baptism is with water. Jesus' baptism is with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This idea of being baptized with fire literally speaks of a purifying work. As you study the scriptures and you trek fire from the Old Testament all the way through the New, it speaks of a purifying effect. Now, in the church today, we hear a lot about passion and fire. The whole conference is, feel the fire. We are having a conference and we're going to experience the fire of God. Listen, I'm not so sure you want to experience the fire of God. Because the fire of God is all-consuming. 
And the fire of God speaks of a purifying work in your life. So by saying, God, I want the fire, you're also saying, Lord, send the trials. Heat things up for me, God, because I want to be purified. I want the power and the purity. You sure you want that? I'm not so sure. Trials will cause a purifying effect. Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to purify his people. And many people want the power, but they don't want the purity. Many people. And this fire will purify the pure and destroy the wicked like chaff. Lastly, number eight, the confirmation of the father. In verse 16 and 17, notice after Jesus was baptized, as he's coming up out of the water, the sky parted. He saw the spirit descending like a dove and heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased or listen to him. And what we have here, did you notice this? Did you pick up on that in verse 16 to 17? What we have here is a picture of the Trinity. Interesting. Now the Bible doesn't teach, doesn't have the word Trinity you know, Trinity can't be so because the Bible doesn't have the word Trinity in it. Well, the, the Bible doesn't have the word Bible in it either. But we see pictures and glimpses of the Trinity all the way woven through the Bible. If you were not here for our study on the Holy Spirit, I actually deal with that quite in depth. But we see a picture of the Trinity here. The Spirit descends upon Jesus the Son while the voice of the Father is heard, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So John's preaching a message of repentance. John's also preaching a message of grace. You know, it's in John chapter 3, verse 16, one of my favorite verses. And for many people, this is probably their favorite verse. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know, listen, quietly, do you know that these are the most important 25 words ever spoken to man? For God so loved the world. And that's what John was saying. John was saying, repent. Why? Because God loved the world. And he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be filled with his spirit. He wants you to know him. You know, I read this some time ago, and I love to read it every time I quote John 3.16. You've probably heard it before, but bear with me. Someone once wrote these words concerning John 3.16. God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act. His only son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes in him, the greatest opportunity, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but have eternal life, the greatest joy. Isn't that great? That's the message of the gospel. God gave his son that you might live. Someone once said, he took your hell that you might have his heaven. And the only way to have his heaven and give him your hell is to repent. Change your mind. 
change your heart. You know, God's just not going to do that for you. Oh, God, change my heart. Lord, change my heart. Oh, God, change my heart. God's not going to just do that for you. You have a responsibility to say, God, in obedience, I'll do what your word says. Repent. Confess, which means to say the same thing, and repent. And you know what will happen? When you confess and you repent, then your heart will change. And God has changed your heart. But just trying to wish it so, it's not going to happen. You need to say, God, in obedience, I would rather die than disobey you, God. And when you get there, your heart will change. Your conduct will change. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.